Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our conversations. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like Jesus. Amen. Now snag some peppermint tea in your favorite mug and enjoy the Deep Waters Podcast. Welcome, everybody. My name is Benjamin Olson. We are without Jace today. He's home, not feeling well, and he's taking care of his family. But I have the honor of being joined today by our head pastor, Jordan Verner. Awesome. I am super grateful to be here with you, Benj. Today, we're going to be talking about worship, what worship looks like at Riverhouse, and specifically this kind of more recent worship movement that we've been in as the Lord has moved in our midst just in the past few months, really. Yep. Um, but if it's okay, Jordan, I'd like to start off by asking you about worship at Riverhouse in general. Mm-hmm. I think when I first came to Riverhouse, and maybe many people listening to the podcast um, had a similar experience. When I first came to Riverhouse, I was amazed at how long the worship was. Yeah. It was abnormally long relative to the like two and a half song, 20 minute little time slot that a lot of other churches fill worship with. Um, And as the pioneer of this house and the head pastor of it, I just want to ask you, um, where did our worship culture come from? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that there's probably multiple origins of that. You know, I think that we all are, subject to our mental maps and our formational process, uh, particularly like the discipleship experience that we have, you know, so if I'm raised in whatever tradition and that's the only thing I'm ever exposed to, that's probably the type of worship that I would create if I was the leader of a church, you know, sure. and, uh, for me, I've, I've stressed this on, on many, um, to, to many people in many different kind of ways, but, uh, I, I would say I'm deeply indebted to uh, a number of places and people and experiences, but a lot of them being in the global south to just what kind of gave me my ethic of ministry and kind of formed me as a as a Christian and as a worshiper, you know. And um, so I would um, uh, spend a lot of time now in my life in you know, African church or the Asian church and sometime in the South American church. And uh, I would just say, generally speaking, worship's a little bit more robust there, particularly the African church really marked me in how joyful it is. There's just this, I don't know, passion Mm. that comes out that you're like, my goodness, these at the time, those were the poorest people I'd ever been around. And the joy was just absolutely phenomenal and very contrasted, uh, very much was contrasting to kind of what I, you know, my denominational upbringing of, you know, witnessing worship. Worship was a pretty boring thing to me growing up. So um, that, you know, so times abroad and then also just times in uh, some different, different churches that I would say have some really powerful worship movements and started encountering God's presence. I went to a number of conferences over a number of years where we'd worship for an hour or two hours. And, um, man, it was just like, this is changing me. This is discipling me. And so, you know, I think that there was all of those that were kind of inside of me when we started river house. I wouldn't say that I had an agenda to like create a long worship experience. I think, in some ways, you know, you kind of you're, you're subject to your mental map. So what becomes like normal and familiar just is kind of like what you naturally empower. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't say that we were on like some mission to be a long worshiping church as much as, you know, we just kind of created space. And I would say, generally speaking, I'm pretty laissez faire in the way that, you know, open handed in mm-hmm. the way that I lead. I like to empower people. I want to 
I want I want to err on the space of giving God too much space to room hmm. as a too much space to room <laughs> too much room in space to like move in yeah as opposed to not enough space you know like I don't want him to be constricted I don't want him to feel like you know he's got to fit my timetable as much as just a flexibility uh, where God can be God and be comfortable you know mm-hmm. like if I think of going to somebody's house you know i've been to people's house where it's like you know it's like you're in an art museum you just you kind of want to sit you don't like you know you always know you're comfortable if you'll go up and get seconds at somebody's house you know what i'm talking about (laughs) because it's like uh, you know like i want to be the type of house where like you can go get seconds you can get thirds you can go lay on the couch like you you can really make yourself at home and be comfortable and i think that's kind of the overriding heart that I've always had is I want God because I love his presence. I love what his presence can do. And so for me waiting and even laboring for an hour for maybe a five or 10 minute, you know, time period where there's just an intimate, deep connection with God is worth it to me because I think something, you know, God in in 10 minutes uh, in God's manifest presence, I mean, more can happen than, you know, 10 years of the best of human discipleship making. So, yeah, you know, I, that's, that's a long winded answer. And I don't know that it necessarily, you know, answers it concretely. There was a lot of experiences, but more than anything, I think I just, I really value the presence of the Lord, the living presence of the Lord. And, you know, I've heard it said that like, like intimacy takes place in open spaces Hmm. So when, you know, you're dating, like Pastor Justin just shared this analogy at church last week, that when you're dating, you don't have a strict timeline to your dating relationship. Like you just have open space for the chance that connection will be made. And I think that that's my heart cry, even in the way that of creating church, whether it's worship or just church in general, it's like, we need a little open space Mm -hmm. for the chance that perhaps a moment will happen with the Lord and a heart connection will be made and something that's beyond words could happen. And so, you know, it's, it's worth it, you know, cause it's love. We're talking about love yeah. and the language of love is time and space. So, yeah, that's really good. Uh, a couple of things stand out to me of what you just said. I think one, your whole answer just demonstrates that you have experienced the manifest presence of God in worship. Like when you're thinking about what we seek in the space of praising the Lord, um, you're thinking about it with a lot of experience from past testimony of where the Lord has met you and where you've seen the Lord meeting other people. Like at one point you even said that like worship is actually doing something. You're not just going through motions. Mm -hmm. You're communing with the word, like with the living God. Um, So that just excites me to know that, like we're after something here that's more than just a routine. Yeah, more than a form. More than a form. And I think the other thing that stood out to me um, when you talk about open space, creating room, it shows me that you and our worship leaders in general are working really hard to keep your ears open for the Holy Spirit's guidance in any particular worship set or Sunday service. Or just with our lives, which is the goal, I think, that we would be malleable and we would respond to God's promptings to move. Um, So anyway, I just wanted to call those things out because I think that that that's beautiful, trying to keep an ear open to the voice of the Lord, the leading of his presence, so that we're in tune with him. Um, Those are things that stand out to me in your leadership and Riverhouse's worship model in general. So that's great. Uh, if I can ask another question, yeah, please. The last few months, our worship has looked a little bit different. We've gone even longer than usual. There's been some more spontaneous moments. Yeah. Um. And I know that this in your personal life, th- there seemed to be a switch from an encounter that you had with the Lord when you went out of town. Just wondering if you could share with listeners of the podcast about that. Yeah, it's the the probably the short story I would say is I I was in a 
an environment, a corporate worship environment at a church in Orlando and the the depth that the room went to was it was really inspiring to me and then I just I personally had a really intimate profound moment with the Lord and so there was a personal component and then there was also just looking around and I I would say I it was I I saw it was a priesthood like there was a room of people that were together cultivating an environment of worship and intimacy with the Lord. So it wasn't like, oh my gosh, that guy on the stage just brought the glory in as much as it was like, my goodness, there is a room full of people that are actively participating with the Lord and ministering to the Lord. And the Lord is ministering to us. And it was really mature and deep and beautiful. And it really cast vision and inspired for me that there is there's a there's a deeper depth that you can go to corporately than I thought maybe I I thought you could and you know I remember I met with this pastor when I was in college it was this pastor of this thriving church in in San Diego I won't say the name of it but it's an awesome church awesome pastor I didn't go a bunch but um, I interviewed him because I just wanted to pick his brain and I remember asking him I said how do you you know how do you lead a church into like a deep place, you know? And he was like, Oh, you just have to accept, you know, he's like, there's always going to be the people sitting on the back row that don't care. There's always going to be like, and he kind of just went through like the typical segregation. You're going to have the 10% that are the, you know, they're deep. And then the, 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 and I just, I remember when he said that, I was like, no, like, no. And it was almost like this. You just need to resign to the sentiment that there's only a certain depth that you're going to be able to go to in corporate church because, you know, like there's only a certain depth because, you know, you got the people in the back row and you got this and this and this and that. And like, there's truth to that. And, and a church is a hospital and people can come as they are mm-hmm. and come broken and Jesus will accept you and Jesus will embrace you. So it's not some sort of an elitist paradigm. But then there's also the sense of saying like, yes, it's a hospital, but the role of a hospital is to get people healthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's also a place of discipleship and we're sheep, but we're also, you know, a, a warrior bride and we're putting on our armor. And so yeah. being at this place, uh, this church just inspired me that there's a deeper depth that we could go to corporately and that we can, you know, like we can stretch ourselves, like we can be challenged to grow up and become a priesthood of active participants that are together cultivating an environment where God is meeting with his people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the big misnomers of worship is worship's been viewed just as this like very one-sided thing that Mm -hmm. it's like these songs that we sing to God. When I think the, the essence of worship is so much deeper. It's so much more living. It's back and forth. It's, it's, it's this active response and we're ministering to him, which is wild that we can minister to God, that wow. he actually would make himself influenceable to us is fascinating to wow. me. That like God is basically saying like, I love you and you have access to actually touch my heart. Mm. Like, wow. <laughs> And then that he then wants to come in and part of us worshiping and touching his heart is we're touching his heart with our heart. And if we touch his heart, he can touch our heart. So it's this deep, intimate exchange that is just, it's holy and it's amazing. And it's also full of mystery and it's not, it's not always black and white. You know, it's, it's intimacy and intimacy is I mean, anybody who's married and listening to this, we all know marriage is not black and white. Like there are definitely mm-hmm. principles of marriage, good communication and, you know, mutual servanthood and these things, but it's not a formula that you follow to cultivate intimacy. It's this dynamic back and forth of listening and responding and listening and responding and listening and responding. And it creates something that's so fruitful and beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I have a little baby girl now. Like that's the fruit literal of the work of the last, you know, four and a half years in Jackie's lives. Me and Jackie, we've, we've cultivated intimacy and the fruitfulness of that intimacy has created this little girl and created a life mm-hmm. and created a culture and a family and all of these things. And 
This is worship, like the work of worship, of learning to be a priesthood. Man, I it, it, I could go on and on. But my point, I guess, is the last few months, I think I just got a renewed vision that there's a deeper place mm. that we can touch in corporate worship where we can together cultivate an environment with God where we can know him in increasingly more intimate ways. And I think that that is the deep craving of the human heart is to know God and to be known by God. And for whatever reason, I think God has just like worship is the instrument. It's the vehicle that just tenderizes the heart. And I think prepares us and actually ushers us in to that deep sacred union Mm -hmm. that we're all longing for. So I think there's many means of this. I just think this is a spiritual discipline that God is really breathing on right now. And he's trying to resurrect this in the church. Wow! So that's the heart cry in this. Now, are we there? Are we perfect? Do we know what we're doing? No, we don't. So if you're listening (laughs) to this, we don't know what we're doing, but we're learning. We're dialoguing. We're praying. We're humbling ourselves and we want to be mature it's just going to, it's going to take some time and we're taking risk. We're creating more space. And when we really feel God moving, we're just going with it a little longer. And we've had a couple hour and a half hour and 40 minutes. And it's a little awkward for me and uncomfortable. It's like, Oh, I don't know if everybody knows what we're doing yet. And I really feel for people. We're not trying to be like mysterious and weird and super spiritual as much as it's just like, we're going to go. And like, you know, I think a lot of things in the kingdom, you catch it. You're not taught it, you're caught, you caught it. It's kind of like a cold, you know, no one mm-hmm. teaches you how to get a cold. You just catch it. And I think that's the hope is that more than we realize we're catching this and we're becoming a priesthood and we're learning how to touch the heart of God and then make our hearts vulnerable to be touched by him. how collective your language is that you say when you were in Orlando it's not about a particular worship leader or pastor that created this space and led this movement but it's a congregation a people of God that are all crying out with a unified heart I mean it makes me think about the unity that Jesus prayed for in his church in John 17 that we would seek union with each other and with the Lord so much so that we would be unified even as he is with his father. Yeah. Um, well, I'm even feeling excited just hearing you talk about it. It makes me want to start worshiping right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and what I would say is, you know, worship, it's, it's bigger than just the songs. I think, I think that that participatory understanding of church, I really want us to get that here because even myself preaching, like, I don't know how to articulate this fully, but what will come out of me, like God has given me an anointing shore and perhaps I could express that independently, but how I preach is very much dictated by the hunger that's in a room. Mm -hmm. Like God's anointing is on me for the sake of those he's called me to serve. So it's not for me, it's for the people. So if the people are hungry to be fed from the Lord, you know, and there's honor and there's a pool, like there's going to be more grace that's going to pour out of me. Like, so it's this very interdependent relationship. I would say it's this, it's the same in worship. It's the same in any ministry environment. God is always thinking collective and it's the environment that we are creating together. That's actually dictating how much of God that we're experiencing because God doesn't throw his pearls before swine. He's not like going to feed us a Thanksgiving feast. If we just wanted a snack, you know, it's like he, he, he feeds the hungry. So that's really what I'm hoping as we're building is, is that we get this, this is that priesthood, that participation that we're all cultivators. Mm. And so truly, if you're listening to this, just know like you coming to church and what you choose to do before God changes the, whatever, like it's creating the environment that we're all worshiping in. So, you know, it's, it's sometimes I wish it wasn't that way because it's like, well, 
how I steward my heart as the preacher will dictate. It's like, it's, and it's just simply not true. Like it's, it's us. It's us. God It's we're the body. We're the bride. It's us. That's good. And also something I love in what you just said is the person who's in the pew or in the comfy seat in the congregation. We don't really have pews. Um, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> they aren't a consumer of this experience. This isn't some kind of like Christian rock concert. Yeah. They're like a co-laborer. They're a, they're a participant in something that's creative yep. and is lavishing love that is actually like that the Lord's heart is tender to. Yep. That's incredible that we get to be a part of receiving and giving yeah. in a collective setting like that. Oh, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like we are all co-creating what the church is. Wow. And even what we will get out of a Sunday, I've gone to church. I mean, I was, there was many years in my life. I wasn't a pastor and I'm sure I'd get blessed here and there when I'd come as a consumer. But when I started learning to be a cultivator and I would start coming and pouring myself out in worship, mm-hmm. no matter what I felt, no matter if things were good or if things were bad, I would find that I could never outgive God. Mm-hmm. The more that I pour out, it's, it's as if the more he just would dump into me. And so even you are dictating the measure of what God is able to deposit into you based on how much capacity you're giving him. So At both an individual and a corporate level, what we will give, like the more we will give, the more that we will receive because it's this beautiful, it's exchange. Like that's, that's any relationship. Like you don't go to any relationship and just sit and receive and you're you're not, you're not going to get a lot of depth out of that relationship, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and if you're just receiving, it's not even really a relationship as much as it is just a transaction. I was like... I like that you bring up marriage and intimacy that exists in that relationship because it's incredibly scriptural that our relationship with God is like an like, unto like a marriage. marriage. Um, and with that, you brought up that in intimacy, there's also mess. And you made the comment, we don't know what we're doing. Yep. I really love that. I think it's important that we be honest with our experience and recognizing that there is a mess and sometimes in the mess um, people have different opinions and some of those opinions are wow I love everything that's happening and I love those opinions (laughs) those are great (laughs) and sometimes people are like wow I'm questioning the spirit with which this is happening and I wonder if this is authentic or of the Lord or um yeah, like genuine discerning spirits could ask really skeptical questions yeah. and that's all part of the mess. And I think it's healthy for us to like be aware of and engage in the mess. Like I know you have. Um, so I'm just curious, would you let us in a little bit to what the mess has looked like from your perspective? Yeah, it's really messy. Um uh, I could give you a few, just a brief overview. You know, we're, we're young church. Mm-hmm. Um, our worship community is beautiful, beautiful hearts um, and young, a lot of young leaders. Um, we're kind of stepping out and risking on a new thing and we're seeing God move incredibly. And then other times we're like, what is even going on? So you have like, just the, the reality of, you know, like if you watch middle school basketball versus high school basketball versus college basketball versus mm. pro basketball, there's just different levels of growth, you know, that like <laughs> comes in time. Yeah. Um, I don't know where we're at as a church, but we're growing, you know, like I look at myself as a preacher, you know, a lot of you think I'm super anointed. Some of you maybe don't, but you should have heard me 10 years ago. You know, you wouldn't have, it just wasn't the same. Like I've, I've had to learn and I've probably preached thousands of times now. And I bet you in another 10 years, I'll be a whole lot more, you know, refined and confident in my ability to partner with God in the pulpit than I am now. I'll be more dependent. I'll be more holy. I'll be more sanctified. So there's just the reality that there's human beings leading and wherever there's humans, there's going to be human error. There's going to be times where we miss it, times where our discernment's off, you know? So you have practically just 
like a needed growth time. Mm. Then you have, um, you know, in the congregation, a lot of different, we're all subject to our mental maps. And so we're all interpreting things based on our own kind of internal schema that is based on, you know, our childhood, our uh, church upbringing, our our giftings, our understandings of God, our testimonies, like, you know, you name it, our trauma, our lack of trauma, whatever it may yeah. be. And so when you're dealing with church, I think one of the things I've learned over the last 10 years in this is you're dealing with the most tender, sacred, and sensitive part of people, mm. which is that, you know, that part of us that connects with God. And worship is... It's very sacred because it's, you know, whenever there's changes to anything in the church, it's part of why, you know, there's almost people make the jokes of worship wars or sacred cows or whatever. It's not because people are trying to be unreasonable. It's because when we feel like that God part of us is getting tampered with, it can feel very threatening. Yeah. And it's, it, I mean, it, in, in a way it is because you know, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us, A.W. Tozier says. And so, Amen. you know, that's where as a leader and as a pastor, I try to give as much patience and grace as possible um, to allow people to struggle. Um, I try to be as honest and transparent as I can and communicative as possible. The reality is that there's some things when it comes to the mystery of God that you just can't put language to and they just, you have to walk it out. And you know, that that's, so the mess is people struggle. And I think as a leader, I probably spent a lot of energy, particularly in my earlier years, trying to iron out every wrinkle and answer every problem and try to explain as much as I could, but I've just realized that you just can't because there's some things that you need from God and that God has to satisfy. And so the tension that I think we have in and, and I have as, as a leader is, you know, is to keep your heart open and I'm open. I, I don't ever want to be closed, especially to people that I'm in a covenant love with, which would be the people that I'm serving in this church and the leaders of this church. And you know, so there's an openness and then there's also a, a conviction to, to what the Lord's calling me to do. And, you know, so in a time like this where we've been experimenting and things have been changed, yeah, there's been, I know a lot of you have struggled and probably a lot of you haven't communicated that. Um, but just know like that matters, like you matter, your story matters. Mm. Um, and uh, I also trust that God's bigger than the mess and that somehow God turns messes into messages and somehow God leads through um, tension and change. He just does it. It's like the spirit. I think uh, it's like in the book of Acts when uh, God's doing a new thing. Um, the Jews have no idea what's happening. There's this <laughs> sect of the Nazarene, you know, and they're going to kill Peter and James and John and the apostles and uh, Paul's mentor, Gamaliel, gives really good advice. And he says, hey, like if this is of man, it's going to go away. But if this is of God, don't resist God. Like, and you might be, you know, you might, if you kill him, you might be resisting God. Like you don't want to resist God. And I think that's some of the, maybe the piece that I've come to is it's like, you know, if this is of man, like it will dissipate and things will fizzle and It'll cave in on itself, you know, but if it really is of God, um, in time, God just kind of, it pushes its way through and it, and it grows and it builds and there's wider and wider adoption. And so I think that being a pioneer, I am a pioneer, you know, I, I kind of, I have a flair for like being the tip of the spear and adventure. Like I, I want to press into like this you know, to what the, the new thing that God is doing. And there's a cost to that and that it's messy. It's often misunderstood. Um, but I found even in the years of, of my own ministry, like in time, like wisdom's vindicated by our children, like what, what is of God prevails. And, 
So there's always a refining in me. God's there'll be a refining in what we're doing as a worship community. And what is truly pure and of him is just going to grow and build and build and build. And I don't know if that answers this or if that gives you more mess if you're listening to this, but it is messy. But I think that that's oh, the, the, the last thing I'll say on this for those of you, my beloved ones that are listening, um, is life is messy too. And you know, if any of us that have walked with God for, you know, more than a few months, I think we know, like, it's just messy. Like, it doesn't always work out the way that we think we do. It should. We hear his promise. You know, it's like, ask Joseph. Didn't go the way that he thought. Mm-hmm. Ask David. It didn't go the way that he thought when he got anointed with oil mm-hmm. from Samuel and told he was going to be king. You know, ask the disciples. It didn't go the way they thought it was going to go with Jesus. Like, Life doesn't ever seem to go the way we think it would with God. It's messier, but it's always more beautiful. And so I think that as a pastor, in discipling you into a truly authentic, messy space, I'm preparing you for the real thing. I'm preparing you for real life with God, Mm. which is we're always having to sort through the mess to find the message, which is that God is faithful even when it doesn't seem like it. He's working all things to, to our good, even when it seems like chaos sometimes. Like, and when crazy things happen and things that are like, ah, somehow if we just keep walking with him, he takes us by the hand and we get to a better place than we thought we could anyway. So yes, it's messy, but I think that God is working in the mess. He's refining us in the mess and he is leading us faithfully um, into fruitfulness. So excellent. I love how even in the way that you unpack that you're demonstrating how much you trust the Lord's leadership. It, I mean, I know this is a very different situation and you're not Jesus, but in John, when Jesus preaches that message about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and people leave in offense, um, he's not chasing anyone down. Yeah because he trusts that the words that came out of his mouth were the right ones to speak because he's speaking truth and the Lord can take care of the people that have turned in offense. And there's, there's trust that he has in the Lord in that moment. And, um, I just hear trust in your voice that if the Lord really is moving, despite how messy it looks, it's a good thing. And you can trust him with the heart of every person who's wrestling through the midst of it as well. Mm. And I love that. It it demonstrates your faith in the midst of this. And I think it makes me as one of the congregants in the church that is headed by you feel safer knowing that my head pastor is submitted to the Lord in that much trust. So I don't know if anyone listening feels the same way, but that's how I respond to all of those words. Um, Mm. I also just want to, invite you to speak on this if you want to Jordan it's got to be vulnerable for you to go into spaces that you know there could be pushback you know it could be uncomfortable Um, I'm thinking of one Sunday in particular because I was supposed to do the announcements and worship went super long Mm -hmm. and it ended up just bleeding into the sermon space where you (laughs) preached with the Bible open in front of you skipped announcements entirely There was no transition. (laughs) It was just worship and then a worshipful sermon. And then you closed with ministry and worship. And if you counted all of that as our worship space, it was, I don't know, three, three and a half hours almost. Yeah. Um, And I imagine that you walking in that space must feel vulnerable, but maybe not. I'm just curious if you want to speak to that. Yeah, there's been um, in the last, you know, couple, three months, I don't know how long it's been. There's been these kind of moments. Maybe some of you have experienced it. Maybe some of you have more witnessed it, not experienced it. But where it seems this dispensation of like a really weighty presence of God that's kind of comes with that somberness. And I think that night you're referring to is one of those nights where it really came and, you know, my experience. And this is probably some of the vulnerability, the vulnerability I have is the leader in me, like the lover in Je- of Jesus in me. 
um, when I'm experiencing his presence, I'm at home. Like I could just, just take me home, Jesus. You know, it's like when his, yeah. when his glory and his, that manifest presence is, is touching me and I'm aware of his nearness and there's that closeness, there's nothing on this life that's better to me than that. Mm-hmm. But then what's vulnerable is maybe I'm experiencing that, but I'm not in the, the inner chamber of every heart that's in the room. Mm-hmm. And I have been around enough to know that that's probably not what everyone is experiencing. So at those moments, I'm in a bit of a juxtaposition between the, like just the lover in me, just the personal lover of Jesus. And then the leader in me, um, which the leader in me wants everybody on the same page, wants everybody to be happy, you know, like, come on. I, I feel like when people say they like conflict, they're liars. Like, (laughs) like, I I don't know what's wrong with you. If you like conflict, I don't like conflict. I don't like, I don't want to leave anybody behind. I don't want anybody to feel ostracized or feel like they're on the outside looking in. And that's been probably the vulnerable part for me is, is trying to steward and, and be faithful to what God is pouring out mm. and then not, not knowing what to do. Like, do I give in to this experience? Do I lead? Do I, you know, how do we, how do we draw people into this? How do I steward this Lord? And, um, you know, Richard Gordon, I actually called him and I asked him, I said, Hey, like, I don't really know what to do. Like God's coming in such a powerful presence. It's almost it's almost like uncomfortable. I said, it's like, it's like, I knew it's like if ministry is riding a bike, it's like all of a sudden the training wheels came off and I thought I was riding without them. But now I realize I don't know how to ride a bike without these training wheels, you know? And, Whoa. you know, and he just said, Jordan, the best leaders are the best receivers. And he's like, you got to receive it. You just got to receive what the Lord's doing. And so I'm trying to receive it. Um, but then still knowing that there's, you know, and probably some of the more vulnerable things have been times when I feel like the Lord's like, just, just go with it. And you're going to have to trust that I'm going to have to lead and I'm going to have to be strong where you're weak and I'm going to cover what you're not touching. That's vulnerable. Um, because I love, I love this church. I love every person that walks into this church. I want every person to thrive in God. I want them to be so deeply rooted in the love of God that they are poised to build a life and build love relationships and build families that are centered on God and fruitful and abounding. And, you know, like that's, that's the, that's why I do what I do. And so, yeah, when there's times when you just know that you can't make, you can't explain the mystery, I don't know what I'm doing exactly. Um, I know that he's the pearl of great price and I want everyone to have him and he's here, but then it's, you know, it's, that's, that's what's challenging for me. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's part of the, this, the difficulty. And when I read the gospels, it's like, Jesus was not afraid of putting some big hurdles in front of his disciples. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I struggle with that, um, Cause I'm like, man, it's hard. Like discipleship, following Jesus is hard, you know? And that's where I'm just trusting that Jesus knows what he's doing more than me. Like it's, there's just times where his wisdom I have to submit to and say, okay, like you lead us, you be strong. My biggest prayer in this season has been Jesus. You be strong where, where I and we as leaders are weak and you cover us where we're exposed and you be sufficient where we're ignorant. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, that he would shine through, um, because I don't have it. It's not in me. Like it's, I I have, I have what I have to offer, but it's only what he's giving me to offer. And it's not enough. Like, and I think it's taken a decade of leadership. I probably used to think that if I was at my best as a leader, I would have enough to lead the church. And I think the reality binge, if I'm just being honest to you and honest to all of you who are listening is, is I feel more like the little boy with five loaves and a couple fish wow. than I do some sort of expert. Like I, I don't have it. I don't have enough. I don't have enough to feed the multitude. I don't have enough to meet every person where they're at. Like if I could, I would, but I just am so small. I feel so tiny. Um, but what I do have, I'm going to give. And, 
I think my trust has just had to become that, Lord, you're going to be enough because you are all sufficient and you're the one who multiplies bread and you're the one who can feed the multitudes. And I don't like people leaving the church. I don't want anybody ever to leave the church. It's never a desire of mine. You know, it's like I, I carry the church. I care for the church, but I, I can't do it. Like I can, I want to be faithful to do what he's called me to. And then I know that he'll be faithful if he's given permission he will be, you know, El Shaddai. He'll be everything. And so that's my vulnerability. It's a vulnerable, dependent trust that this is his church. It's his idea. It's his people. What he calls me to do, I want to be diligent and faithful to obey. But what he doesn't call me to do, um, I've probably made the mistake of trying to jump in and, and, overextend to run around like a chicken with my head cut off to do it all. And then I end up, I think, just getting in his way and giving a half-hearted representation of what it would be anyways. And so we need his presence to function without him showing up and leading us. We're kind of, we're kind of lost, you know? Yeah. So that's the vulnerability. Wow. Thank you for sharing your heart like that. That was really precious. And again, I think when you are willing to go to those vulnerable places, it establishes trust for me, I know, and hopefully for all of our listeners, because in that place of vulnerability, I recognize the sincerity of your heart and your trust in the Lord and how committed you are to his mission, not your own. Um, And what a blessing. If it's okay, I'm, I'm interested to ask maybe one more question. Yeah. Um, if, one more. One more. <laughs> maybe 18 more. We'll see. <laughs> Let's do another podcast. Uh, I think you have already answered this question in a few different ways throughout the podcast. Mm-hmm. But if you could speak specifically to a person who has attended River House and then gotten uncomfortable and yeah. decided to leave. Yeah. What would you say to that person? Wow, that's a big question. I know people would leave for all kinds of different reasons. Yeah. Um, and so in this podcast, you, you don't have an opportunity to speak t- specifically yeah. to all of those reasons. But um, like you just said, how much you care for every person who comes in the door of River House, whether it's once or for the hundredth time. And I know you mean that. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I'm just I'm curious if you have any words to offer. Totally. To I think person. it's a good question. Um, the first thing I'd say is I think that some people leaving is a good thing. Um, I think some people, God, God sins. And I'm great with that. I mean, I've blessed, uh, I've blessed numerous people as they go and for various reasons and life changes and this and, um, you know, uh, God calling them to go and serve another church, you know, like so that kind of stuff mm-hmm. fires me up. Um, there's no sense of like, yeah, it's not like a control, like leaving you are bad. So right. there's a good, there's a whole good category of leaving, which I celebrate it's still sad, but I celebrate it, you know, as you love people. Right. Um, and then I, I would say specifically to your question, if, if maybe you left because you are uncomfortable, um, you know, I think my challenge to you would be, um, you know, is how did you steward that discomfort? Um, I think that discomfort is a really catalytic force in our lives. Um, I think sometimes we kind of, we, we freak out a little bit in the church. It's like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Like almost as if like we broke like a law, like it should be comfortable in church. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is conditioning to a lot of the churches, I think that kind of is an unspoken role, role, rule in a lot of uh, Western churches, like never make people uncomfortable. Like, yeah. um, and huh. there is a whole comfort of the Holy Spirit that's really, really precious and needed, special. We need it. It's healing. I mean, I was comforted really well by a beautiful shepherd um, through my teenage years that just so impacted my life. So uh, comfort is beautiful, but I want 
the comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit. I don't want like this kind of humanistic comfort um, where we don't want to be uncomfortable. And I think Riverhouse does make people uncomfortable. Um, and some of that I think is the Lord's doing. And so I would just challenge you is like a lot of times when we're triggered, um, it, it can be a journey to get down to like what's really going on. And so that would be my challenge is to really like sit with the discomfort and let it take you all the way to the bottom to like, what is, why are you uncomfortable? What's going on? What don't you understand? And to really fight for understanding. Like, you know, if you think of that word understanding, you have, you, you can stand under, um, mm. you, you come all the way to the point that you've gotten underneath like this whole ecosystem. And, um, I mean, shoot, when I look back at my own life, some of the places that have catalyzed by far the most growth in me spiritually have made me profoundly uncomfortable. And what I tell people often that I don't think you fully believe me, but I'm going to tell you again is I get uncomfortable at River House <laughs> fairly frequently. Yeah. You know, like there are people that make me uncomfortable that have challenged me. Um, we're not like a group think culture where everybody's got to get in line and think the same way. And there's leaders in our church that, man, we go back and forth sometimes. I'm like, gosh, I just, you make me uncomfortable because I don't think like you and you don't think like me and, ah, you know, and I've had to do some of my own soul searching. Why do I feel uncomfortable? Why do I feel threatened by this? Why do I, da, 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 da. you know, the church that I went to in Florida and had this encounter has made me still to this day, it makes me uncomfortable. Like there's things that I don't understand. And I've had to go on a, a deeper journey of humility to say, Lord, I honor your presence in this place. Like I had an encounter with God that changed my life there and it still makes me uncomfortable. And I just think that when my mom used to say growing up that when we're comfortable, God's uncomfortable. When we're uncomfortable, God's quite comfortable. Wow. So I think there's great value in being in, in discomfort. Um, it, it forces you to think things. It challenges things. So, um, you know, have you had questions with, have you had conversations with pastors or leaders? Have you tried to understand? Um, have you, you know, Pastor Justin always says you either internally reflect or externally project. Mm -hmm. So it's easy something happens at worship or a service and it's easy to point the finger like that's weird and that makes me uncomfortable that's external projection like have you internally reflected have you gone on the deep process of like okay i'm trying to understand why am i feeling what i'm feeling what is this pulling up in me um, because i think that can be really fruitful sometimes and then um sometimes when you go on that journey you like figure out and i think there's even when we have feedback I always find that there's usually things that I glean and then it's like, okay, this needed to grow in me. And then this, I actually think I have issues with. And then I would encourage you bring that feedback because that's part of the participatory thing is your voice matters. And maybe you have something from your vantage point that needs to be shared into the ecosystem. And so if you meet with a pastor or meet with a leader and you're processing in humility that perhaps God's wanting to change something in you, but then it's also going to be perhaps God's wanting to change things in us or in the church, you know? So there's, there's a really beautiful sure. non-threatening way to go through challenge and conflict and discomfort when we just, when we walk through it in a relational way. So that's probably what I'd say to someone that just like was like up and left because they got uncomfortable. Sure. I'd be like, come on, press a little deeper and like, yeah. this will be fruitful for you and for everyone, you know? So that's what I say. That's excellent. Thank you. I feel like that's a good spot to leave on because I imagine whether it's with the way that our worship looks now or has looked in the last few months or the coming of a future guest speaker mm -hmm. or uh, who knows what the Lord is going to do in yeah. our midst. But I know that I have been uncomfortable countless times at River House. <laughs> and it's just like you say, Jordan, like that discomfort has led to some of my greatest flourishing in the spirit. Mm -hmm. And I'm most grateful for a lot yep. of that. And some of that discomfort has been conviction from the Holy Spirit where I yep. need to repent of something. Totally. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes there's discomfort because I'm rubbing up against something that needs to be corrected. Like whether I'm the one that, yep. as long as I'm handling that in humility with a lot of submission to my authority. Anyway, I've just learned a lot in this process and God invites us into the wrestling. And I like yep. that. You're not asking anyone to be 
um, like a blind follower no. to just submit. Group think doesn't do anything. Yeah. This is about changing the heart. So we want heart connection and you got to fight for that. So, amen. Wow. So let's fight for unity. Let's fight for worship. Those are a few good notes to end on. Thank you, Jordan. Let's fight to be a priesthood. If I could just charge you listening to this, I want to just charge you to press in and to hold nothing back. Like, you know, we will not get to the end of our lives one day and wish that we would have, you know, given a little bit less to Jesus. Like, I mm -hmm. think it'll always be like an endless joy to how much we gave to him. So I just want to encourage you, like, there's just no use in doing anything halfway when it comes to church or the kingdom of God. Like, give your full heart and press in and come to Sundays and just humble yourself and follow the leaders, even if they're off. Like, just go with us and, and then let's fight and have conversations that needed to be had. And like, we will become a priesthood and we will see God move in greater ways than what we've seen because we've wow. cultivated an intimate place with him. Like that's his house, a spiritual house, stone by stone. So if you're listening to this and you are a stone in this house, I love you. I bless you. And just know like I carry you in my heart deeply. And my yearning is that we would be built up into the full expression of who Jesus believes us to be. Wow. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us. This is great. I'm really glad that you listener have decided to listen to this podcast. I hope this has been fruitful and edifying for you. If you have like further questions or wrestling, like Jordan said, don't hesitate to reach out to someone on staff in your house church. Keep the conversation going. Amen. Amen. All right. Love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. Bye.